Attention HR professionals. Are you tired of dealing with poor performance from your managers? Are you sick of having managers run to you for every single little problem? Would you like to build the confidence and competence of your management team? If so, then contact Boss Builders. At Boss Builders, we specialize in building up the skills and confidence of your organization's managers. We do this through our popular Driving Results on-site training programs, our signature program, the Video-Driven Boss Builder Academy, and we even license our course materials so you and your internal training staff can get those managers confident and competent. For more information on how we can help you improve the performance of your organization's managers, contact us today at www.thebossbuilders.com or at 931-221-2988. Well, hello and welcome to this episode of the Boss Builder Podcast, the podcast for those of you who are new to supervision, those of you who are in the role and struggling, and even those of you who are thinking about making the transition to supervisor someday in the future. You know, most of the things we talk about here on the Boss Builder podcast deal with the tactical, the blocking and tackling of being the boss. In this episode, though, we want to change that up a little bit and talk more about being strategic. Our guest today is Dr. Trish Holliday. Trish is an expert in leadership development and herself is an executive leader of a very strategic and significant position in the state of Tennessee. Trish is going to talk to us today about leadership, specifically what are some things that leaders can do to be more effective. She's going to talk you through a couple of scenarios that maybe you might be struggling with in your organization. Number one, that of going through a significant change and also creating innovation in your workforce. She's going to share a lot about her journey and I think that's important because you know you can learn a lot about leadership by talking with someone who has already plowed the ground you are going through right now. She is a real fun person to chat with. You're gonna love her stories. And this wide ranging conversation that kind of goes all over the place, you're gonna come away with some really good takeaways. So with no further delay, let's meet our guest, Dr. Trish Holiday. Trish Holiday, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here. Trish, I'm very excited. This is one podcast that I've wanted to do for a long time for several reasons. Number one, um, most of my audience are newly promoted supervisors. They are inundated with the tactical, the day-to-day operations. And one of the things I really want them to see is that they start. They have to start thinking strategically now. They have to start building those leadership capabilities So that's one reason. And then the second, of course, is that this is an area of expertise for you. I've heard you present at many of the HR conferences. Your sessions are packed. You are featured on a number of magazine covers, which I just discovered there was another one. And so you know what you're talking about. And that's why I'm really excited to have you on the show. So before we go through the questions, I was hoping you could take a moment and share something about your background with us. Well, thank you. I, uh, I, I'm delighted to share my background. When I get the opportunity to talk about myself, one of the things I always lead off with is that everything that happened to me so far in my journey is because there was a champion. 
and there was somebody who opened doors and helped me understand how to take advantage of opportunities. I, uh, when I graduated from college, I went to get my master's in divinity and went into the organized church and about three years in discovered that my calling was truly in the mission field where I could be hands-on with people from all over the, the country, spent about 16 years in Appalachia, enjoying um, changing people's lives by giving them opportunity to know what being a part of something bigger than themselves is all about, and also serving the impoverished and helping everyone in that in that arena know that everybody matters and everybody has value. And that really, I think, was the the opportunity for me to, I worked with my dad who founded the ministry that I worked for. And that was amazing as he has been my lifelong mentor. And when, when I was in the mission field, my two kids and just an amazing, amazing opportunity to meet people from all over the country is when I discovered a knack for bringing people together with different perspectives, different backgrounds, different economic status, different religious affiliations, and realized that, excuse me, I had a, uh, I had a real calling to even take my leadership components to, to the next level. Got a call from state government asking me to come and be a part of a transformation of learning and leadership and training in state government as it was a failing a failing area and to see if we could put some innovative aspects to it and lo and behold here I am 14 years later still in uh, state government loving every moment of it and really using the leadership expertise that I gained just in life and in the ministry and now in state government to help people become the best they can become, the best version of themselves. So really, today's podcast and the invitation from you was so exciting to me because I uh, this is what I like to talk about, is, is helping people realize their potential. Well, I love that. Uh, you know, kind of as a side note, I have worked with state governments. I've worked with the federal government all around the country. And and I have to admit that this particular state that you are um, a leader in is one of the few I have worked with where people genuinely are inspired and seem to be excited to do their job. So um, I think this is a testament to your leadership ability, which, again, is why I'm so excited to have you on the program. So let's think about how to put this into practical terms. So the first question I have for you is, Thinking about trust. So as a leader, generating trust is really important, especially during times of change. And so what are some leadership factors from your perspective that tend to generate trust in the organization? I think it's really important for us to remember that leading others is a gift. It's not a right, but it's actually a privilege. And trust is built when people who lead other people actually do what they say they'll do. They support their people. They believe in their people. And they also make the business not about themselves, but about how everybody else is making it happen. And I, uh, 
the idea of trust in government is such a critical discussion. And then also in the ministry. And then I see it when I interact with business leaders in the private sector. I don't think it's a, a uh, it's different in public sector, private sector. I think building trust in an organization is imperative no matter where you are. And when you get the gift handed to you, that you have a team of people that you're leading, I think you have to, one, really protect it as a gift and know that that you're in a season to influence those who are who are on your team. And how you do that is so critical. I, uh, I, use, the, I use the analogy of I was at a conference one time and somebody asked me to write on an index card who, uh, who inspired me as a leader in my life. And it was at that moment I thought to myself, how do I, in 10 or 15 years, make it to somebody's index card? And I thought, you know, I I need to take Covey's motto, begin with the end in mind. And so if I truly want to be in somebody's head when they're asked the question, who has inspired you? Then I have to every single day realize people are watching, people are listening, people are wanting inspiration, and they're also wanting somebody to believe in them and open doors for them. And so that's the kind of person I really want to be. And I think, I think when leaders have that kind of motive and it's not driven by self, but it's driven by an other's focus, we truly can generate a trust that people will follow you and they'll follow you by being all in. And, um, but, but I think it starts with the leader and, and the leader's actions and I learned really early on in my professional journey that I got to do what I say I'm going to do because that's what people really want to know is, are you fake or are you authentic? Are you really, do, you know, do you really model what you teach or is it just all words? And so I think that the action piece of what you say is, is pretty important. Yeah. Well, and again, that's where I'm interested too, because it's great to have trust and that's fine when things are going well, but let's take a scenario that happens in most organizations and that is when something is going to change. And so most reactions that we tend to see in, in our company is there's emotions, there's denial, there's negativity. And so how do you get your arms wrapped around that? What are some things that a leader can do to go through a situation like that, assuming now they have the trust? Yeah, I, you know, I, as I think about that, I think there's two parts to change. And I, sometimes I think we get so wrapped up in the to-do list that we forget the people part of change. Because there's managing the process of change. So change process. You hear, you hear courses and workshops taught on mastering change management. And and I like to think of William Bridges' um, theory around this whole how to manage transition with the people part of change. Because when we talk about, I don't think we manage people through change. I think we're managing the transition of people going through change. And one, I think we have to leave space for everybody not to be an early adopter. And 
I think for supervisors, sometimes we get really shook up about, oh my gosh, why is everybody not on board quickly? And I think the if we have created trust where people can express their emotions, and a lot of times people don't know how to speak truth to power. A lot of times, you know, that's a really important aspect that that I try to do a lot of work on with and with leaders that I'm working with is how do how do you position yourself where you can experience the emotions you're experiencing, and yet, <clears throat> excuse me, um, really really also be able to continue to move forward because I think the leader has to recognize when someone is stuck in a place of either, to your point earlier, negativity, denial, they may be in that resistance stage. The leader has to be able to be strong enough to go, I think, to that individual and say, hey, talk to me. What can I do to help you through this? What can what can you do? What do you need more of? And really asking some really individual questions, because I don't think we can manage by the group in change. I think we really have to pay attention to our individual team members and not think that everybody's going to travel the same change continuum. Uh, I, I do believe that that all the stages of change that people go through, it, it impacts people differently. And leaders sometimes, what I see happening, even in myself, is I get caught up in making sure I'm hitting the deadlines and I've got got the result happening that I want. Hap- I, I tend to maybe forget to look out to the team to say, how are you all doing? And And not that I can cure anything or not that I can Uh, heal or handle any one person's emotion, but I can show that I'm paying attention and I can show that I care about them as an individual. And I I really think that's part of the secret of facilitating the human emotion of change is understanding it can't be on a to-do list. Well, that assumes too that you as the leader have already come to terms with the change. And so I want to ask you this question then. So Trish, how do you adjust to change? And then having done that, how do you then model, you know, better change leadership? Yeah. And I think those are key words, change leadership. I think one, the idea of people, how to teach people to become a change agent and then there's a totally different skill set around this change leadership component. One, I think it's important that when when I'm preparing for change, I know that I want to understand it. And it's important for my team to see I fully support it, even if I don't fully support it. And, and I don't know if that makes any sense or not, but it's important when I'm talking about the organization is going to move from point A to point B, and our team has been asked to do the X, Y, and Z, then it's important for me to be all in. And the way I get myself all in is making sure I'm fully aware of the why of the change. Simon Sinek says, start with why. Uh, The work of why. I love that book. I am. I (laughs) As I, as I read all these different resources and thought leaders on in this topic, it really is a similar theme that as a leader, you got to make sure you understand, one, 
what you don't know. Two, how can you become more informed? And three, how can you, how can you support your leader in your upline, which models what you need from your team that you're actually leading? And, and I, uh, I sometimes hear supervisors say, well, here we go. They're doing it to us again. I just knew this was going to happen. Look at here. Here we are already halfway down the way and they're changing it again. Uh, it's that funny story of who are they, right? Who are they anyway? BJ <laughs> Gallagher wrote a book, Who Are They Anyway? And I, I love that question <coughs> because I hear so many times supervisors say, well, they said we had to do this. They, um, and it, it's amazing. We, we were told, right? <laughs> yeah, right. We were told. And, and to me, it's like, well, first, who are they? And so I think mm-hmm. our language is really important as a change leader to make sure that it's we're all in this together. There's not a we, they. There's not a headquarters and a field office. There's not there's not corporate office and then the rest of us. But and I think it's up to the change leader to make sure that their language is truly in support of the organization's why. And, and it, by doing that, you model behavior for your team that, look, you know, uh, this is what we are called to do. This is why we're here. We're going to do this and we need everybody on board. And if you're struggling, let me help you through that versus allowing that resistance to permeate in within the team and possibly cause the team to be uh, ineffective or not successful at the actual change process. This is so powerful. And, and this is one comment and question that we get often, not only uh, when people write into the show, but also in, in some of the workshops that our teams lead is, I don't believe in the change and and I don't want to own it. And yeah. it reminds me of back when I was in the Navy, there was a there was a phrase that it was it would say the damn XO. Well, who you know, we were told we got to do this by who? Well, the damn XO. And it's a blame game. And and I think it's it for the leader. It seems like the right thing to do to not own it. But what they don't realize is that people have a lack of respect if you seem to be powerless and are being yeah. told what to do, which in many cases is true. But I love the fact that what you've shown in that example is just how to own it. And yeah. in the end, people will say, yeah, it sucks. It's awful. But you know what? Let's just get it done. And yeah, and, we and got to work eight or nine hours a day. Let's make it happen. Right. Yeah, because and here's the other thing. You know, I, I, I see so many so many folks who are who are miserable in their in their work life. And we spend so much time at work. I mean, we spend so much time with the people that we're with. And, and to me, that needs to be fun. To me, we need to enjoy that. So let's hold hands and get through this, right? And push through it together versus the blaming to your point. And now let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Attention HR professionals and conference planners. Are you looking for a great speaker for your upcoming meetings or conference? Better contact Mac. Do you need someone who can relate to your audience and deliver a top-notch presentation? Better contact Mac. 
Are you trying to find a speaker who can both educate and entertain? Better contact Mac. Mac Monroe, the boss builder, is a sought-after keynote speaker and presenter who would love to present at your next meeting. His most popular topics are how to be a great boss for audiences of managers and executives, how to gain a seat at the table for HR professionals, and how to avoid ending up for all employees. Mac is a phenomenal storyteller, and his talks are lively, entertaining, and loaded with actionable strategies that will enable your attendees to make immediate positive changes. To get more information and book Mac to speak at your next conference or meeting, go online to bettercontactmac.com or call us at 931-221-2988. And now, back to the show. Well, let's assume then that we have we have changed, we work together, we overcome it, and then we go back to an equilibrium of doing the daily tasks. So from your perspective, Trish, how do you foster creative and innovative thinking within your organization? I think it's important to know that people support what they, what they help create. And to me, we have a core value in our organization that's called continuous improvement. Well, the message that sends to the team is we always want to get better. There's always room for improvement. We have, after every big event that we lead, we have what we call the after action time together. So we say what worked, what didn't work. It's not who worked and who didn't work. It's what worked and what didn't work because it's important to sit down and it's not about the person. So again, we really are very intentional about not blaming people. And I think that's when you open up this idea that your organization, people feel like they can make mistakes. Innovation does not happen unless people feel like it's okay to try something. And if it doesn't work, well, let's just look at why didn't it work and let's try again. I I see so many people trying to script what people are supposed to do and this micromanagement component suffocates people and and I think really creates a disadvantage to an organization when people feel that there is no trust in what they're doing. They can't step out and and try something new. I remember going through my doctoral program and studying this, this theory called make new mistakes. And if in your organization you can create an environment where people feel like it's okay to make new mistakes, that then true innovation, true creativity can surface because they're not scared to they're not scared to try. And the idea around make new mistakes is that we're going to learn from our mistakes. So we're not going to have repeat mistakes, but we're going to make new ones because we only get better if we keep trying to improve ourselves. I always say to to my teams and to my senior leadership team specifically, I always want to show up a better version of myself the next day than I was for you the day before. And and to me, that what I'm trying to really model through my words and hopefully through my actions, they'll see that I learned something on this particular day and I'm going to apply it the next day. And And when we use continuous improvement as not a gotcha or see, I told you that wouldn't work, but we use continuous improvement as an opportunity to always be moving 
forward and making something better than it was, I, I, I think that's part of the secret sauce. I know I've been around people who will say, well, that's not how we do it, or that's not how we've done it here, or, well, really what we're supposed to be doing is this. And we try to get rid of that kind of language in our organization and promote this idea of, well, let's try it. You know, if it's not illegal, immoral, unethical, then by golly, and it's not going to kill anybody, then let's try it. And and what that's created is this spirit of of really wanting to discover something that's that's not known and create a program that's never been done before as an opportunity to to develop people in a different way. So I I really love this idea of innovation and creativity. I think organizations struggle with it because people don't feel safe to uh, to try. Well, you've given us advice on two major challenges that any leader is going to face. The first being, you know, how do I get my organization through radical change? And the second being, how do I foster innovation? So what I'd like to kind of wind our time together down with is I want to know what you do, Trish, to prepare yourself for this. And so, you know, the, the first one I'm going to ask you is, you know, as the leader, how do you remain focused and keep the team focused? You've got a pretty significant responsibility in your role. How do you get that done? Well, one, I think if I'm going to feed others, I've got to be fed myself. So I, I love reading. I, I think leaders are readers and I love reading diverse thoughts, people who think differently than I do. So that I can gain as broad a perspective in this world of leading people as possible. And and also trying to understand where people are coming from. I um, And so I spend time on myself first. It's the, the old airplane oxygen mask analogy where you got to put the oxygen mask on yourself before you can help anybody else. And you got to do that first. And and so I think it's really important that uh, I spend time making sure that I am also improving myself. I am. I love what I call these stay interview questions because I love to talk to my team in terms of why why are you here? Why do you continue to be a part of this team? What what does this team do for you that makes it worth being a part of it? And then I always ask the question, what can I do to better support you? What can I do to lead you more effectively? And and I really like asking those questions. Now, you shouldn't ask those questions if you don't want the truth, but, but those are opportunities for me to receive from those I lead areas which I might could pay attention to a bit more. And so when I prepare my, by preparing myself, I'm working on those areas that, that I might not be demonstrating to my best ability. And so also modeling vulnerability, because I always want my team to know I'm growing in this space. I'm working in this space. And what that does is it doesn't set anybody up as a guru or a superhero. I've always said the teams I'm on, I don't want a superhero. I want want us as a team to be successful. That means we're all in it 
and we're all for each other. And and as as I try to model that, I want to make sure I'm prepared so that I am a resource to them to help them be as effective as possible. And then here's the other piece that I that I focus on. I love Jim Collins' hedgehog concept because I think leaders can for, forget really quickly in this ever-changing world we're a part of that uh, what they are best at, what they are world-class at. And, and so the whole hedgehog concept is important to me. And I really want to pay attention to those areas that we have said are our mission, why we exist, and making sure that the decisions I make are attached to the mission. And that way people don't feel like we're all over the place and that we're randomly trying to do all these things for all people, but really narrowing our focus to say, you know what? Here's what we do. Here's what we, how we add value and let's be world-class at it. And it gives people a sense of, I can do this because the focus is there. And we've really been able to stay on point by remembering our hedgehog. And that is what we can be best or world-class at. It sounds like there was a lot of self-reflection that went into that. And, and from what you say, you are an avid reader and uh, someone that curates lots of knowledge. So I'm going to put you on the spot with this one and ask you, what leadership book have you read that you would say positively impacted your professional growth? And how did it do it? So I'm going to break the rules. I have two. So okay. one is uh, Lencioni's book called The Advantage. I, uh, I believe that inside that book, there were all kinds of insights that really spoke to me in my heart and probably redirected how I was leading during the time that I really studied that particular resource. It, the, the, the way it talks about vision, the way it says, you know, employees want to know where they're headed. And so being a visionary and not, not taking people just randomly to a place, but saying, here's where we're headed. The, the advantage really helped me hone my vision. And it also helped me to understand that this whole model the way, this whole servant leadership dialogue, all about leader sacrifice. And if you are a leader of people, again, reminding yourself it's a gift. It's not a right. And in that privilege, we have to sacrifice for others. So it becomes very outward focused. And so I really, the, the book, at The Advantage, was, was really a powerful read for me and had some, some really deep insights. The other one that I've read a long time ago and continue to revisit, even had dinner with the authors here in Nashville when they were in town, is The Leadership Challenge um, by Kuzis and Posner. Because The Leadership Challenge puts, takes these five exemplary practices and says, you know what, you wrap your your head and your heart around these five practices, model the way, encourage the heart, challenge the process, not people, and enable others to act, then, then you're truly, you're truly then modeling what exemplary leadership's about. And people want to be a part of something that, that energizes them and takes them to the next place. And the leadership challenge has been a guiding force for my career for many years. And, uh, 
and truly value those, the, the author's perspective on that. Well, and if you are listening to this and you are truly brave, may I suggest you do the Leadership Challenge 360 on yourself and, sure. and just yeah. be prepared. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's one it. thing we've always said. If you say you're a leader, make sure you look over your shoulder and make sure somebody's there. You, you may take that. Both of those excellent resources. And, you know, I want to encourage the audience, please follow Trisha's lead and, and read. Fill your brain with good stuff. Uh, well, then let's think about, you had mentioned earlier about the index card, and you one day would like to be on somebody's index card. So I'm going to ask you, so what leader do you lean on for inspiration when you think about that part of your journey? Well, I believe the most inspirational person in my life has been my father. And I. Uh, it's really funny. Uh, he He worked in state government when I was born. And he was the director of training for the state. And we always talked about how it was divine intervention, how where I am now and, and where, where he started. And then he, st he left state government and founded a ministry that I joined him. And now I'm in state government. So the, the, the path we feel is definitely divinely created and, and has just been an inspiration. I, he, when he was director of training and I was a wee little one, I would travel with him to the state parks and got that flip chart and marker in my hand really early. And, and he always said, I, you've discovered your calling, right? To, uh, to, to train others to be the best they can be. And so he's always been that inspiration and what he did was model for me what a visionary leader does and how vision can inspire hundreds of people. But yet vision brings people together around this one, you know, um, goal where we're headed and the, the way we can inspire hearts, our hearts together. This idea of we're better together. That was always my dad. And and he always wanted in state government for state employees to not feel second class. And he always wanted employees to receive the best in state government that private sector was always receiving. And watching him create a platform that now I have the privilege of leading that platform that he begun 40 and 50, 60 years ago. It's just incredible opportunity. And so he's my, and he's on my index card and he's my inspiration. And, and he taught me how to be a, the visionary that I think I am today. That's great. Well, thank you for sharing that, Trish. My last question for you is, is kind of the typical cliche question that people would ask. And, and that question, of course, is what keeps you up at night? I like to reframe that because for me personally, I sleep like a rock. But the way I frame it is what is distracting me when I'm watching my favorite movie or I'm spending time with my granddaughters? What is the thing that, that is troubling me? And so I'm going to ask you that question as we wind down. What is uh, something that, that distracts you? What concerns you, Trish? Yeah, what, what concerns me is when I travel the country and I'm, I'm with all different groups of people and I'm listening to their stories what troubles me is how many people work for people who don't know how to lead people. And what troubles me is that we have 
a workforce that is struggling to be engaged because they aren't watching their own leader demonstrate what engagement looks like. And, and, you know, my dream is that every, every employee feels like they can't wait to get to work. Uh, Every employee's in a place that culture says you matter. And the supervisor says you matter. And we don't have favorites. And we, we actually let everybody find their place. What's troubling to me is when I hear through the coaching that I do or through speaking or whatever group I'm interacting with, the cry for people to feel like they matter at, at work. And I think it's up to us as leaders to create that environment. It's not up to the employee. It's up to the leader to say, I want this to be a place where people know they are valued and they have a voice and they can contribute and make a difference. Well, I'm going to challenge my audience to get busy on that so Trish can get a good night's sleep. How's that sound? (laughs) I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for (laughs) for that challenge. I hope it happens. (laughs) Well, I do too. I do too. Well, Trish, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to chat with my audience. We are grateful. I'm going to challenge my audience to put some of these practices into your daily routine. Keep your eye on change, foster innovation. And I would encourage you to check out Trish Holiday's LinkedIn profile, and you can see some of the amazing things she's up to and some of the audiences she gets to present to. So Trish, thank you so much, and please have an awesome day. Thank you so much for letting me be here and and talk with you. Incredible opportunity. Well, thanks for taking the time to listen to another episode of the Boss Builder Podcast. You know, if you're listening to these as you are commuting to and from work, I would highly recommend you listen again when you get home just so you can take some notes. We do our best to get you great information. And sometimes if you're like me, you got to write the stuff down. On another note, for your further development, if you work for an organization and you think that it would be valuable to partner with us, which I think is a good idea, We invite you to check us out online at thebossbuilders.com. We have three options, our signature driving results on-site workshop, which our trainers come out and deliver for you. We also have our very popular Boss Builder Academy, which is video driven. And we also offer the option of having your organization license our training materials so that your trainers can go ahead and deliver them on-site. If you're listening to our podcast on iTunes or on Stitcher, the other thing we'd appreciate is if you could just take a moment and leave us a brief, positive, of course, review. That would really help us out a great deal. And refer this podcast to anybody you know that you think could benefit from it. Until the next time we meet, get out there, boss up, boss on, and more importantly, make a commitment to being the boss at being a great boss. Goodbye.